The following program is brought to you by the Humble Farmer Bed and Breakfast in St. George, Maine. Thank you for listening. The other day I finished plastering the north wall under the window for my wife Marcia, the almost perfect woman, right there by her office. The window had leaked and rotted out the windowsill in this 205-year-old house, and I had to replace it, the windowsill, not the house. Now, if you don't know what you're doing, plastering is a messy business, and I'm, I'm going to tell you I'm glad it's over. Well, you, you heard me whine about the red spot that appeared on the back of my hand the other day? It's the kind of spot that you see on the hands and arms of your friends in nursing homes just before they die. What am I to think when I see this very same spot on the back of my hand? Well, listen, that's not the worst part. After I finished plastering that night, right there on the inside of my wrist, only an inch from my hand, was this gray spot. and It was a dangerous-looking discoloration on my skin. It, it looked even more menacing than the purple spot, red spot on the back of my hand that had appeared the week before. I figured this gray thing had oozed out from a vein or artery or whatever it was I could see throbbing there on my wrist beneath it. I want you to know that it is discouraging to see one's body falling apart. You know, seeing seeing spots caused by who knows what malady appearing there, here and there on one's skin. You'll be glad to hear that the very next morning when I took a shower and washed my wrist, that gray spot went away. Hi there, this is Clark Terry here, reminding you to pull your bearskins a little closer to the fire. That's it. <laughs> now you're talking to hey. Ah, watch out for those snapping sparks. Everybody cozy? Now the good news is that you're in time for the humble farmer. You've worked hard all day, and you deserve to relax now. So stay right there and listen to the best of this kind of music.
Augmented lemons. Thank you for listening to the humble farmer, mate. Oh, I should tell you, so you might want to know Harry Allen, of course, Joe Cohn, Joel Forbes, Chuck Briggs. My tools are in the back garage. For years and years, my tools have been in the back garage. And, of course, this means that for years, every time I've wanted to fix something, I had to walk into the back garage to get a tool and keep going back and forth from the front garage to the back garage because I never had enough tools on hand to do the job. You always need one more tool. Even a simple job like replacing the Bendix and a John Deere mower might require 15 or so tools and a dozen trips. Hop, hop, hop. So, yes, after 40, 45 years, I finally set up a small bench with enough tools to do simple jobs right by the northwestern overhead door. That's where I do my work in the sun. My wife's scraping and painting stuff is there too. Because you know my wife, Marcia, the almost perfect woman, is a professional scraper and painter. When I sorted through her... (laughs) Yes, when I sorted through her stuff and organized her stuff, I found eight or ten putty knives... Uh, some of them weren't even worn down to the nub. It is amazing. Do you know about this? It's amazing how much stuff accumulates. My wife puts little name and address stickers on all her tools. Pick up a tool, little one of those stickers the Heart Association sends you to put a return address on your envelopes. Marcia Scoglund's 785 River Road, so on. And just the other day, I returned a hammer and three screwver, screwdrivers with her name on it to her tool drawer, her own private tool drawer in the house. Someone, we don't know who it is, someone keeps taking them out into the barn. Here's another thing. It's silly. Listen to this. I have a good set of wrenches in Marsha's Rav 4, even though I might only need them once a year to tighten up a tail light that's fallen off the trailer or something. And and I don't have a set of wrenches in my truck, or I might need them every other day. I always have to go in the barn and get a tool. I've got to, got to tend to that. Oh, I've got to ask you, what, what, ha, what have you recently organized to make your life easier? I am the humble farmer at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Dumb and so was Juba. Just a big ambitious bum, he wouldn't do her. So much as chew a piece of gun, so this is news to me. I understand her. He's an overnight success. He's in demand her. Why, I never could have guessed. Well, he found a big bay Juba, then he bummed his
down in Havana, there's a funny-looking booba. He plays a rumba on the tuba down in Cuba. Oh, and his chap will sell an apple, but this chap would rather grapple with his oompa, oompa, oompa. They prefer it to the booba, dooba, dooba. They love the rumba on the tuba down in Cuba. It doesn't take him very long to get a tumble, but all the rumba lovers go into the rumble. Oh, how I'd like to be his double for without a bit of trouble with his oompa, oompa, oompa. He can knock eleven ladies for a looper. They love the rumba on the tuba down in Cuba. Not a green horn, he blows a mean horn, a mossy seen horn. Oh, he's a whiz. Why, all Havana loves this funny-looking booba. He plays a rumba on the tuba down in Cuba. I can't believe it, but they tell us every penis and is jealous of it. Oompa, 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 they prefer it to the booba, dooba, dooba. They love the rumba on the tuba down in Cuba. They love his oompa, 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 oompa. Um, Rudy Valley, Rudy Valley from 1931, when Yuba plays the rumba on his tuba. And, of course, we can sing about Cuba again. We can go to Cuba. So it's safe to play this kind of song. Used to hear that a lot when I was a kid. It was still popular. In the, well, at least my mother, I think, used to play it on the piano in the 1940s. We have been harvesting the wood in our forest out back the farm here. Our logger friend cuts down and hauls off these huge trees Listen to this. Loggers leave large limbs and tops behind. So the other day I went out into the forest primeval in my pickup truck, drove right out there, and I sawed up these huge oak limbs. I, they were all over the ground. The logger had left them there. I sawed them into four-foot lengths. Some of them were five, six inches round. I sawed them into four-foot lengths, put them in my truck, hauled them out to the front lawn. Now, it is my intent, I don't know if I'll ever get to it or not, but it, I'm going to try. It's my intent to saw these four-foot oak limbs, as I say, some are five or six inches in diameter. I'm going to saw them at the stove lengths. I'm going to get my wood splitter back up from my brother's house, and I'm going to split them, and I'm going to put a big sign on all this oak wood out on my front lawn. It's going to say, For Sale, Fresh wood. And by so doing, I will be contributing to the global warming problem by the burning of carbon fuels. But, hey, isn't the bottom line where it's at? (laughs) ¶¶ 
Farm, I've been forgetting to mention to you. I've been forgetting to thank you for listening to the Humble Farmer here on your favorite radio station. You know, with any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time, right here on this favorite station of yours. I am the Humble Farmer at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Two times within the past week. I've heard political commentators say something about kumbaya. <laughs> now, I know that kumbaya is a word in a song. You always hear it, kumbaya. But I wondered what in the world people would be talking about kumbaya. Why should they be talking about kumbaya on the evening news? I did what you do. Perhaps I asked friends on my Facebook page. I says, what's this kumbaya? What's it mean? Is it an epiphany? What is it? I got all kinds of answers. You know that. You ask something on Facebook, you get all kinds of answers. So I did what I should have done in the first place. I Googled, and I found this. Listen to this. This is what I found on Googling. Recently, as of 2006, kumbaya has been used to refer to artificially covering up deep-seated disagreements. We join hands and sing kumbaya, or it's all kumbaya means we pretend to agree for the sake of appearances or social expediency. So the next time you hear kumbaya on the evening news, remember, it was your buddy, the humble farmer, who first told you about it right here. Tenderness grows, 
bring my fears apart And that laugh, that wrinkles, you know Touches my foolish heart Oh, but your love, never, never change Keep that breathless charm Won't you please arrange it Cause I love you Just the way you look tonight With each word your tenderness grows Tearing my fears apart And that light and that wrinkles you know Touches my food This charm, won't you please arrange it? Cause I love you. Just the way you look, just the way you look, just the way you look tonight. Just the way you look, just the way you look, just the way you look tonight. kind of tune we used to play it was a jazz tune we used to play 50 so years ago i don't know if anybody hears it now you are missing out my friend if you don't have a roku apparatus on your television set and you know i'm going to tell you why roku enables you to watch the countless lectures that are now available on youtube as you vegetate in your favorite chair there are yale lectures on rousseau and schopenhauer and evolution, and medicine. You probably know of a lot more, and I'd like to know what they are. You could write me, thehumblefarmer at gmail.com, and tell me. My favorite is an informative series by Stanford's neuroendocrinologist, Robert Sapolsky. Robert Sapolsky talks about the brain and why we do what we do. Now, you might have read one or more of his popular books, Long before I discovered Professor Sapolsky's lectures on my TV set, I read three of these books. And one was the famous Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. And to save you the price of that interesting book, here's the spoiler. When the zebra escapes from the lion, (laughs) when he stops running and his heart rate returns to normal, the zebra soon forgets all about it. A human being would continue to worry about the lion for weeks until... Want to get that phone, please? A human being would continue to worry about the lion for weeks until hospitalized by heartburn, indigestion, and nausea. So that's the difference between 
the zebra and human being. When Professor Sapolsky mentioned some grad students who, in the course of an experiment, patted their rat for three seconds, I sat right upright in my chair. When the good professor was still in grade school, I was already a grad student at the University of Rochester with my own laboratory rat. I named him Vilkas, which, as you probably know, is Wolf in Lithuanian.
Harry, Harry Allen, Joe Cone. Isn't that from Guys and Dolls? I have a vague memories of playing with Tommy Bushy. Tommy Bushy was a piano player in Portland. We did that show when I was an undergraduate. They put on Guys and Dolls there, 1962 or three. it must have been. Do, 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 do. It was a fun show. If you're not used to working with animals, I'm telling about my pet rat Vilkas I had when I was a grad student. If you're not used to working with animals, it, you know, it takes a little while to get onto it. I want you to know that rats that don't know you are likely to be a bit skittish and make a bid for freedom. So you have to learn how to hang right on to your pet rat. And I remember well that Vilkas, my pet rat, got away from me the first time I picked him up. And I have a vivid memory of trying to retrieve him from, from beneath a rack of tape recorders and other recording studio equipment we had in the laboratory there. And although it was around 50 years ago, I seem to recall that Vilkas would gently bite my finger if I put it in front of his nose, you know. That was how he found out what things were, check out the texture, see what it was. He'd kind of test it with his teeth. Unlike, I'm happy to say, that unlike many students in disciplines where it was necessary to sacrifice their pet. I took Vilkas home to Maine for the summer and brought him home in. And if you've ever had a dog, cat, or disagreeable spouse, you already know that you can become attached to almost anything. And I want you to know that we bonded as I spent hours teaching little Vilkas how to drive a small mechanical toy car. It was a little... It must have been about a foot long, three or four inches high, a little mechanical tin car with a motor in it. There was a crank on the front, and the thirsty Vilkas rat would push the crank, which started the noisy motor, and then he'd jump, jump up on the car for his little water reward. We started with the car up on blocks, but it was my intention to eventually remove the blocks so that Wilkes... Vilkas the Wonder Rat could amaze my friends as he ceremoniously, ceremoniously, ceremoniously drove into the dining room. Now, now, why teach a rat to drive a car? You might ask. And if you think about it, the answer is is simple. If you're going to teach a rat to press a bar to get a food pellet, a drop of water, you might as well have him pick up some useful skill at the same time. a young girl who suited him nice. He went to his papa to ask his advice. His papa said, son, I have to say no. That girl is your sister, but your mama don't know. Hey, oh, is me. Shame and scandal in the family. Hey, oh, is me. Shame and scandal in the family. I 
week went by and the summer came down And soon another girl on the island he found He went to his papa to name the day His papa shook his head and this time he did say You can't marry this girl, I have to say no The girl is your auntie but your granny don't know Hey, bo, it's me Shame and scandal in the family Shame and scandal in the family Now he went to his mama and covered his head He told his mama what his papa had said His mama she laughed, she said, go man, go Your daddy ain't your daddy, but your daddy don't know Hey, bo, it's me Shame and scandal in the family Nineteen sixty-five. Lance Percival. Thank you for listening to the Humble Farmer. With any luck at all, I'm here every week at this time, playing old-fashioned music just for you right here on your favorite station. And right now, we're talking about my pet rat Vilkas. You. You'll probably be surprised to hear that I, I wouldn't pat your dog. And this is because when I touch a dog, I feel I must immediately wash my hands. Anyone who has seen a dog rolling on his back, coating himself with some fresh, identifiable substance on the lawn, well, that person knows why I need to do this. Cats, horses, I'm deathly allergic to cats and horses, so touching them was never an option. Although, having read Swift, I've always thought of horses as being nice people. Yes, one develops not only a tolerance but a f- for, but a fondness for one's own pet, and I did. You've seen people fondling snakes. My friend Clyde, down in... Uh, Fort Myers, Florida. Clyde has a pet pig who lives in his house. And the same thing happened to me. There came a time when I'd walk about with my pet rat perched on my shoulder. The summer I was home with Vilkas, Jack Newbig from Friendship was building a brick fireplace in, in a house I owned next door, and Jack would come over at noon to socialize and eat his dinner with me. One day... I went into the next room. I went right into the next room. I put on a sport jacket, and I dropped Vilka's rat down into the sleeve by my armpit. You can see this. Then I went back into the kitchen, and I sat down at the table across from my guest there, Jack Newbig. Vilka's, you can imagine this, Vilka's slowly crawled down inside my sleeve until he finally stuck his little ratty head out by my wrist. He he wiggled his whiskers at Jack Newbig, and he smiled a welcome with his big yellow rat teeth. <laughs> Jack Newbig was a tough old man, old mason from Friendship, Maine, who had he'd seen his share of things. 
But he told me that watching that rat stick his head out of my sleeve at the dinner table was the worst thing he had ever seen in his life.
ending on that. Harry Allen, Joe Cohn, of course. This is probably the last chance I'll have to tell you today that you're listening to The Humble Farmer here on your favorite radio station, for which I am extremely grateful. Love to hear from you. I am thehumblefarmer at gmail.com. And you could make your life less complicated if you brought in an efficiency expert who would study you for a week you know how they do it. And then they tell you how you could change things around, rearrange your life to save you time and energy. They get paid big for this. The expert would change where you kept your clothing, your tools, and everything else you own. Your habits would be changed around to accommodate the new system and after you get used to finding things in new places and doing things in a more efficient manner, you got to admit this, you'd be able to get a lot more done in a lot less time. Push this button here. I forgot to push this button. I don't want this machine to get away from me and start playing while I'm talking. You know, it can do that. Anyway, you've probably already noticed that this way of doing things we're talking about here closely approximates marriage. Just about the time you learn to be comfortable with the new system, she decides that she liked it better the way you had it before, and she moves everything back. 